is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, creating a revolution and an evolution in casino gambling. Welcome to episode 70 of our Casino Combat Podcast. Once again, we are recording live in the luxurious Casino Combat Studios in Parts Unknown. Non-binary persons, ladies and gentlemen, Maha Kali and the Great Kali, do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com and we will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in facts. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted to prevent listener boredom. Welcome everyone, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. If this is your first time, our casino podcast is about gambling and helping you be good at the game of casino gambling, I promise. I also promise that I'll get focused by the time we get to the first segment, while at the same time conceding that my first few thoughts this week are kind of all over the board, kind of a little bit rambling. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm going to do a bit of rambling before I get to rambling specifically about gambling. Stick with me. Most of the time, the randomness dropped into the disclaimer is just for the sake of variation, for variety, and hopefully a bit of amusement for some listeners. Certainly, the great Kali fits into that category. If you know nothing about him, you are not missing much, and you are missing nothing related to casino gambling. That said, if you're not familiar with the Hindi goddess of wisdom, Mahakali, you might want to look her up. She is a fascinating wisdom deity. Her icons and symbology have made me think about how wisdom and introspection are essential tools to a skilled gambler. To go along with that process, let's do something we have not done in a while and consult the big book of numerology regarding our episode number today. Let's see what we can learn about the number 70. The numerology number 70 is a number of introspection and inner wisdom. You see what I did there? It has seemingly infinite potential. The energy of the number 70 represents its perceptive and astute status. It's able to analyze problems to find viable solutions. Acquiring ever more knowledge of self is an intent of the number 70's energy. (laughs) Wow, is that a casino combat number or what? Introspection and inner wisdom, infinite potential, analyzing problems and finding solutions, knowledge of self. I think we found the number that best describes our podcast. I really do. And that's a lot to live up to for an episode, but that is also kind of exactly what we are going to do today in various segments, all of those kinds of things. The month of October 2021 just wrapped up this past weekend, so we will do results for the month and sort out if it was a winning or a losing month in the virtual VIP lounge to wrap up the episode. We will start the episode with a travel segment to tell you about the gambling that was done this last week. In between, we will have a moment of casino wisdom. I have a new casino wisdom for you, a rather simple one, but one that fits well with other casino wisdoms to kind of form a trilogy, if you will. I created this wisdom several weeks ago, and it's really probably not grandiose enough for episode number 70, but it does have infinite potential to change the life of any gambler if they follow it. So that aspect is very number 70 relatable. During my recent trip to Las Vegas, I was perceptive and astute enough to notice some major changes to games offered on the strip and analyze the problems this caused to look for viable solutions. I think all of that will provide us with the basis of a useful and informative core concept segment today. So that's our battle plan for the episode. Travel, wisdom, core concepts, virtual VIP lounge to wrap up the month. Before we start that, I have a couple of items from around the Casino Combat Galaxy for you this week. First off, I was just texting with Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary. He was sharing that in the last episode, I said that limit increases and rules changes on the strip occurred so that revenue missed during the pandemic shutdown could be recouped. He thinks I have that wrong, that changes are only occurring because the house can get away with it on the strip. He points out that $10 3-2 blackjack is still available in Atlantic City and that if stupid players wouldn't play games with horrible rules and higher limits, these games would go away. Hmm. Um, interesting prompt. As evidence that I'm not wrong, I will offer up earnings reports, recent earnings reports by Caesars Entertainment. 
Compared to their earning report for the same period in 2020, revenue has doubled and is back to near, which is to say almost 2019 levels. From the point of view of financial analysts, this is a failure. And the stock was punished for it, by the way. Because revenues were projected to exceed 2019 levels. Increasing revenue levels and recouping some of the lost 2020 profits has to be on the mind of strip casino operators, in my opinion. They've got boards of directors to report to. They've got to increase their profits year over year. That said, ECE isn't wrong either. The Las Vegas Strip gets a lot of stupid tourist gamblers with no real knowledge of gambling and as a result can get action on games and limits that many other places cannot. In my experience, he used the example of Atlantic City. Atlantic City gets a smaller portion of gamblers that fit that description as well as a larger number of very, very smart gamblers. Gamblers who would reject a $25 6-5 game with all dealers 22s being a push. New Jersey as a state has been very protective of gamblers in ways that Nevada is not. And there are a number of casinos in Atlantic City that are not part of big national publicly traded brands. All of those factors push down the price of gambling and the house advantage in Atlantic City, in my opinion. I want to also mention that fair and inexpensive gambling is available in Las Vegas, just not with the brands I'm working with. El Cortez in downtown Las Vegas offers a very fair blackjack game at $5. OYO Casino just off the strip behind Tropicana also offers a fair and inexpensive game. My personal strategy is to as much as possible gamble with regional brands that give me perks and benefits when I'm in Las Vegas. If I was close enough to Las Vegas or Atlantic City to do most of my gambling in those locations, I might very well pick a different strategy and work with local brands instead. I'm going to call this a tie between ECE and myself on the subject of, you know, right or wrong, you know, whatever. And I do really want to thank East Coast Emissary for sharing his thoughts with us as an excellent prompt for me to expand on my comments from last week. I always appreciate people providing things that make me think. While we're on the topic of Inner Circle membership and ECE, if you'd like to join ECE in the Inner Circle, the details on how you go about that are in episode 22. 22. In addition, we put up a video on Instagram from my travels last week. A listener has commented that it is an excellent clue for anyone trying to become an Inner Circle member. I am at Gambler Ramblin on Instagram and Twitter. Links to those two things can be found on the CasinoCombat.com website at the top of the homepage. We also have links there for Facebook and YouTube pages. If you're looking for the website, don't forget that for fiduciary reasons, we spell combat with a K. So it's casinocombat.com to get to the website, combat spelled with a K. One other item before we start the travel segment. A travel-related item, actually. It takes a bit of setup, but there's a point here. I'll get to it. Since we became empty nesters several years ago, Mrs. TRG and I have spent several New Year's Eves in Las Vegas. We discussed going and doing that this year as well. And based on Mrs. TRG's work schedule and some only partially comped room nights over New Year's Eve, we decided to go to Las Vegas the week before Christmas instead. I had a setup fully comped at Planet Hollywood and I was sorting out flights when we received an email for us to take a charter flight to Harris Gulf Coast the same days for about one day's pay. So heavily, heavily comped. And that was roughly one-third of what just the flight to Las Vegas was going to cost us. That's a big gambling area, the Gulf Coast, that we've never had a chance to explore. And we checked the website and found a variety of 3-2 to blackjack games being offered, so we're feeling comfortable with that. It should be a bit warmer than Las Vegas. It's a trip on a Caesars charter, and they are running a 3 times tier credit promotion if you fly with them until December 22nd. We return on December 22nd. So... Warmer, cheaper, easier because it's a charter and three times tier credits. Perfect. We decided to make our holiday trip there instead. Made perfect sense to us. And and I alluded to it earlier, but if you're saying, okay, okay, TRG, but how does that teach me anything? I get that response. As I said, stick with me. That, as I said, is just the setup for the teaching part. So we got all that in place. Charter's set. We're all good to go. The month of November starts. 
A new month means new comps and offers. If you've been following my journey, you know that last December, I started working on expanding my relationship beyond the Caesars brand in Las Vegas. I did enough gambling and spending with the MGM brand over the course of several visits to earn a comp night and some really cheap nights in Las Vegas on my last trip. When the offers for this month arrived, they factored in the gambling and spending from that trip, and I was eligible for up to four comp nights at most MGM Las Vegas Strip hotels. And along with that, they're going to give me half a day's pay in free play and a third of a day's pay in resort fees. My MGM offers in Las Vegas are much better than my Caesars offers at this point, if I'm being honest. But there was a little asterisk there. There was a little asterisk on the offer that said, or discounted rate pending special events. So I kind of just wanted to see what that looked like. And I do a little browsing on the web. And yeah, okay, if I want to stay at Aria, you know, there, there, are, some, there are some Fridays and Saturdays that are, that are going to be a little bit of money. Nothing horrible. But those also have resort fees. And as I looked around, I discovered that at Mandalay Bay, I was eligible to use my comps for the last four nights. That includes a Friday night of 2021 with no resort fees. A fully free New Year's Eve stay with free money to gamble with and free food just for showing up. We've stayed at Mandalay Bay several times over the years, including for our second honeymoon. We love the property. We don't love the location. But we have often said it is perfect for a quick getaway weekend. They are offering us over four days pay in value on a busy Vegas holiday weekend. We looked at it. We looked at the budget we had planned for our holiday trip. Travel costs for both trips are going to put us about a half day's pay over what we had planned for the holidays in place of gifts for each other. We are planning around our promotions as we've learned to do from Casino Wisdom number 63. We are going to the Gulf Coast for a few days with three times tier credits. I have a good chance of reaching the Diamond Plus tier, that's the fourth tier, with Caesars Entertainment. We will celebrate Christmas in our home with our children and the little lion do a little work for my clients, and then celebrate New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. That should provide some interesting stories for me to share with all of you. I hope you can see how things I did and the strategic choices I made over the past year created the conditions to live this a little bit crazy, but should be a lot of fun, casino lifestyle. All right, let's get into our plan for episode 70 and start with a travel segment. I had a busy casino week and did a fair amount of rambling around the region. All of it based on a combination of planning around promotions and business and family needs. I'll encourage you to see this week's results through the lens of casinos enhancing other aspects of my life. Only a very small portion of this week's gambling falls into the category of let's go gamble. Most of it falls into other things brought us here. What can gambling do for us while we're here? And I'll try to highlight some of that. As we go, I also have one educational story to throw in at the end of the segment. I've told you that my oldest son, the heir to the throne, has a couple of Airbnb units in his real estate holdings. He just exchanged some of his units in a city several hours away for a large building in in our city. He's going to turn four of those units into more Airbnbs. As a result, I'm on an even larger mission to focus on casino gifts that he can put to use in those units to keep his costs down. As a result, when I finished work at the start of the week, I stopped at my local casino to get some additional dishes that they were giving away. They also had a parking comp and a free bet for me. I played a losing slot machine and won about two days pay playing blackjack. Later in the week, I had to go a few hours west and north for both business and personal reasons. I mixed in some casino value along the way. After my business stop, I hit the My Choice property two hours west that has no hotel and I picked up a free bet. I played a winning slot machine, but the free bet was only one of two blackjack bets I won before leaving more quickly than I would have liked, down about a half day's pay for the visit. I took care of my personal business in the area and then checked into a partially comped room at the My Choice property three hours west and north of our home. They comped my dinner. They gave me some free slot play to gamble with using TRG Slot Strategy 1. I played a winning blackjack table before dinner, and I'll tell you about the characters involved in that before we finish this segment. They were very, very interesting. 
They didn't realize it, but they had a lot to teach all of us. At that blackjack table, I won more than I had lost at the My Choice property a short distance south. And that had all happened just a few hours earlier. We talked some about this in a previous episode. When you take a broad view of gambling over time, what is lost at one table will be replaced with a win at another. Over the rest of the evening, I won money playing a slot machine, won money playing video poker while having a drink, and played three more blackjack tables, losing at two and winning at one. So actually, three losses and two wins for the day. The next morning, I stopped at the MGM property in the same city to pick up a free bet and to play a winning blackjack table. There, I'm three and three and two winning slot machines. So that's three and three for the trip. Not bad, 50-50. The next day, as I finished a long day of work, Mrs. TRG had a variety of Halloween events to attend with her coworkers in the evening. I had a combination of free slot play, a parking comp, and a free bet at my local casino. It had been a couple years since I was at my local casino on a Friday night, so unlike the most of the rest of the week, this was just a, a visit for fun and to see if any of my friends were around. I had a great visit. I had drinks with my friend Terry Terrific while he was waiting for his girlfriend, Darling Deborah, and they were going to go to a comp dinner when she finished work. Our mutual friend Jack was getting drinks for his wife, Lady Di, and he stopped to chat. I actually found out that he had rotated the podcast into his listening habits in place of recorded court trials, which is something he likes to listen to while working. So we're trying, taking a little bit of his bandwidth, and, he, and he's been generous enough to, uh, to, to listen and to share some of that feedback. Um, so that's quite the compliment. The walking Wikipedia was playing craps, and I didn't even know walking Wikipedia played craps. I knew he knew how to play craps. I just normally see him at blackjack tables. So I played some craps with him since I can always learn something from his extensive knowledge of gambling. I lost some money on the craps table. It was not a winning casino visit, but it was fun to see so many of my friends. I always learned some things, as I said, from the walking Wikipedia. On Saturday, Mrs. TRG and I had several events planned with family two hours south of our home. So toward the end of the evening, we decided that after multiple family events, we would stay at a hotel and drive home the following morning. We stopped at the My Choice property in the area after dinner and picked up a free bet and played some blackjack. The table didn't go well for us and the other players were, hmm, what's the word? Uh, they were challenging, let's go with that. The other players were challenging. So we wrapped up early, called it a night, just a little gambling added to our trip, not a gambling trip. In the end, it was the last table that kind of ended up being what it was for the week. We finished down about two days pay for the week, mostly on the losses at that table. To finish this segment up, I wanted to expand on what happened at that very interesting first table at the My Choice where I spent the night kind of early in the week. And I'm calling this story Two Guys Losing, A Drunk Winner on His Way to Losing, and TRG. In many ways, I was just an observer for most of this story. This is much more about what not to do than what to do. Also, there is a difference between people who are losing and people who are losers. I don't think either of the young men who were losing are losers. They're just not really very far along their gambling journey and have not sorted things out yet, at least not sufficiently on this particular evening. I arrived at a table that had two other players already involved in a game. They didn't object to having a third player, so I sat down. It's always good blackjack etiquette to ask before joining a game in progress. It was especially important in this case, since losing guy one and losing guy two were playing hands four to 20 times larger than I was going to be playing. I just didn't want to invade a high stakes game. I watched one of them burn through twice my buy-in in two or three hands, then go to the ATM and return with $200 to make bets between $50 and $100, losing all of that ATM money very quickly and then going to the ATM again, returning with $1,000 and then making an initial bet of $300. Roughly one third of his rebuy of his rebuy on the first wager. Meanwhile, here's me, right? Here's TRG, I'm betting a few green chips at best. In fact, losing guy two was making similar bets way too large for the stack of black and purple chips, that's $100 chips that he had in front of him. He would make a $500 bet, lose it, bet 200 and lose, bet 300 and win and go all in for $700. 
And maybe there is a thought process there. Maybe there is an approach that I, I don't know, maybe you make a $500 bet followed by a $200 bet. Having lost both, you're minus $700. So after winning the $300 bet, you're minus $400. So you bet $700, which is all that you have in front of you. Maybe, maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing. But those bets seemed way too large for someone with between $1,200 and $1,400 in front of him. And that's what he had when I sat down. And he never had more than that while I watched him play the rest of the time I watched him play. He also went into his pocket at least twice more for cash while I watched him play. And later in the evening, I saw him at the ATM on his way back to the same table. This is where the drunk winner on his way to losing enters the story. A very drunk man with a heavy accent stumbles up to the table with a large cup of dark liquor in his hand. He pushes his way into an empty spot at the table with no chair and plops down $2,000 of orange chips. Those are bigger chips. You usually, uh, usually don't get those by buying them. Not sure what was going on there yet at this moment in the story. Chairs are rearranged for him so he can sit down. He spills his drink all over the table as he tells us he won $11,000 earlier at this same table. The dealer verified this, saying that she was his dealer, and then whispers to me that he didn't tip her a damn thing on the win. And that figures, I guess. As the mess was being cleaned up, in between demanding a free replacement drink, since it wasn't his fault that the drink got spilled, he explained that he had ended up earlier with a $2,600 pair of eights split four times, and he won $11,000. Nice win. And he tells us he, that he's now just drinking and playing for fun with only $2,000 of what he won. So eventually, he received a replacement drink, and the felt was clean enough to be allowed to dry, and the game resumes. He's betting $500 a hand. Again, way too much for $2,000 buy-in, in my opinion. But he fits in with LG1 and LG2 very nicely. He was making big bets too. And pretty quickly he turns to me and he says that blackjack wasn't a good game to play. That both craps and baccarat are better games because in both games you could bet with the casino and have the same advantage they have. He ended this statement looking me straight in the eye and saying, but you don't know that. What he was saying was that since in baccarat you can bet bank and in craps you can bet don't pass, you are betting with the casino that ignores the math completely. The house has an advantage over the player on both of those wagers. You are not betting with the house. It also begs the question, if this isn't a good game and those are better games, why are you playing this game? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. But anyway, in the moment, I started to say that actually on an expected loss per $100 basis wagered, Blackjack was roughly $1 per hundred better for the player. But he kind of ignored that. He just kept telling me I didn't know things. So I stopped trying to explain math to a drunk whose primary language didn't appear to be English. We played for a while, mostly because I was slowly building up a stack of green chips, a chip here, a chip there, while the two losing guys kind of held their own, neither winning or losing. And honestly, I wanted to watch as much of the show as possible before moving along with my evening. The drunk winner made outrageous bets, at one point needing to change out two more orange chips that were being held by a friend uh, slash caddy, ostensibly so he didn't lose those orange chips so that he didn't play with them, but he won the double and returned the orange chips to his friend, his caddy, whatever that was. The drunk winner's basic strategy knowledge was limited and subject to random changes. Things like doubling a seven against a dealer's nine. He continued to tell me about gambling that I didn't know, telling me blah, 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 but you don't know that. He was almost always factually and or mathematically wrong. Eventually, losing guy one, struggling to stay in the game, receives a blackjack while the dealer is showing an ace. And he asks me directly if he should take even money. Having watched him play for a couple hours and struggle to win back significant losses without the right information or skills, I replied, there is an 80% chance the dealer does not have a blackjack and a 20% chance that you push. Why would you give up three to two payouts 80% of the time you play this hand to get paid even money every time you play this hand? Over 100 hands, you are giving up 25 units of profits by taking even money. To this point, in a table full of high rollers who were losing and allowed drunk, I had struggled to be heard and had just watched while winning almost double my buy-in. 
Something in that explanation of the math of the game cut through the noise at the table. It cut through the alcohol. Losing guy one did not take even money and got paid full value on his blackjack. Now the story from the drunk changed from you don't know that to listen to this man. He knows the game. He knows how to win. He is the most patient son of a bitch I've ever gambled with. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly something can turn if you just get people to listen and if you're stacking up chips while they're losing. Both LG1 and LG2 started looking to me for advice. I eventually reached a positive exit and colored up. As I was leaving, I gave each of them a card for the podcast and said, I do a podcast on gambling. I might be able to help you improve your game. I kept an eye on the table as I roamed the casino the rest of the evening. The, the group of the three of them stayed intact for quite a while. Maybe because they were so annoying, nobody wanted to bother jumping in. I had enjoyed the show, but I wasn't going to re-engage at that table. I just wanted to keep an eye on it. LG1 eventually left the table with just a few green chips in his hand. LG2 struggled on for most of the evening, but never had many chips in front of him when I checked on him. I saw the drunk winner receive orange chips from his friend on a couple of occasions as I was gambling at a table next to him. That's not something you you do if you're going to finish a winner after winning $11,000 on one hand and then saying you're just going to play for two with 2K for fun while drinking. I later heard him say he was going to go play a fair game. He was going to go play craps. An hour later, I spotted him at a craps table. I watched him put cash from his pocket into the game. That suggests to me that the orange chips, the $11,000, was gone. I don't know for a fact that the drunk winner ended up having a losing evening. Anything is possible. He could have gone on a streak at the craps table. Don't know. I wasn't going to dedicate my evening to stalking this one man, but I rarely see a drunk gambler with a poor command of the facts and the math with limited self-control have a winning evening. As far as LG1 and LG2 go, guys, if you happen to listen to this, drop me an email. Love to hear from you. You are both good beginning players who have all the skills needed to become winning gamblers. All right. The next thing we are going to do is a moment of casino wisdom. Casino wisdoms are a combination of things myself and others have learned about how casinos and gambling work, combined with an action that should be taken based on that knowledge or information. Today I wanted to introduce to you a new casino wisdom. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it fits well with another pair of casino wisdoms we've already explored. This won't take long, but I think the illustration should be fun. Casinos in our area like to give away scratch-off lottery tickets for a variety of reasons. Sometimes for something as easy as being over 50 years old. Sometimes for joining the Players Club. Sometimes because they ran out of other gifts and they're trying to give a similar value. As a result of this, and something that happened to Gabriel and myself, I get to introduce to you today Casino Wisdom number 24. If they offer you a lottery ticket, take it and play it. Let's explore how I came to this conclusion. Gabriel recently remarked that he keeps picking up the scratch-off lottery tickets our local casino is giving away this month, but he hadn't won anything yet. It almost didn't seem worth his time to print the slip at the kiosk and go to the third floor to pick up the ticket, and honestly, I didn't realize they were giving away scratch-off tickets because I hadn't been to my local casino on the correct day of the week when they were giving them away. The two of us just happened to arrive together, so we went to the kiosks together, we went and picked up our lottery ticket together. Mine only had a face value of a dollar. I stuck it in the pocket of my vest and didn't think much more about it. Then when I got back from Las Vegas and I was at the horse track with the one with slots near me, the one where I often go for lunch, and I had some promotions there, and they were running a similar offer. There were several people in line. I thought about just skipping the promotion I hadn't even known about when I walked in. It's not what I was planning around. I was planning around other things. I thought back to Gabriel saying he hadn't won anything. But I also thought about Casino Wisdoms number 22 and number 23 regarding free slot play and free table bets. It occurred to me that I couldn't be a very good teacher if I didn't do what I would recommend to a listener if they ask. So I waited in line and picked up another $1 lottery ticket. When I did, the attendant asked me for my slip for the second $10 ticket. 
I was surprised. I said I hadn't been to the kiosk yet. Was that where I would print the slip? She said yes. The $1 ticket was age-based, but the other was based on play, and I needed to print the slip to claim it if it was part of what was being offered that day. I had to go to the kiosk anyway to print off my slip for lunch, so I printed the slip, and I got the $10 lottery ticket as well. I put both tickets in my vest pocket and realized I, still, I was still carrying the unplayed ticket from a few days earlier. When I got back to my office, I played through all three tickets. The original ticket that didn't really seem worth the effort paid out a tenth of a day's pay. It paid for about a tank of gas. Much like Casino Wisdom number 11, which is, as you may recall, you can't win the car from the couch, most of the lottery tickets that get handed out this way won't be winners. It's the lottery after all. The house advantage is huge. But some of those tickets will be worth thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. If you don't get a ticket, you have no chance to win. If you get the ticket and stick it in your pocket, you have no chance of winning. If they offer you a lottery ticket, take it and play it. Okay, I seem to recall that next up was a core concept segment. T-Rex, spin the wheel, drop the ball, let's go. One of the core concepts of casino combat is to find wagers that minimize the house's advantage over the player and learn to play those games. Another is to have a player's card and make wagers that provide tier credits to reach tiers that provide ongoing benefits and free, tax-free money. And of course, comps. Episode 70 is about analyzing situations and finding viable solutions. That's what numerology tells us, right? I wanted to show today how I used these two core concepts on my recent Vegas trip to analyze the changes that were occurring on the Strip and to see if viable solutions could be found. The first big change that I noticed on the Las Vegas Strip was the introduction of electronic craps tables. Let me start with a description. Many casinos for years have had what is called bubble craps. These are small, usually low stakes, self-service craps games where you place your bets on a console and then the dice are rolled by the machine, bouncing the dice on a platform in a clear plastic dome to determine the results of the various wagers. I've never played bubble craps. I have zero opinion on it as a gambling option. I don't know any skilled players that consider it a serious option, so I've ignored it. That said, I always tell you that I don't know everything about gambling. I'm just trying to learn the things about gambling I don't know. If you are a serious and successful bubble craps player, email me and educate me, please. The electronic craps that I saw for the first time were not bubble craps. They were full-size craps tables with real dice thrown by individual players, just like at a normal craps table. However, there were significant differences. First, instead of a felt layout on which wagers were placed, Using chips, the entire bottom of the craps table was a large video display of a craps layout. Next, each wagering position had a screen, a slot to insert a player's card as you would find at a slot machine, and a tier credit counter, also like you'd see at many slot machines. Players inserted their cards and their money into the console just as they would if they were playing a slot machine or a video poker machine or a video kino machine or that kind of thing. And then they followed prompts on the screen to make wagers on the roll of the dice. As wagers were placed, animations of everyone's wager appeared on the display on the bottom of the, of the table just as chips would on a standard table. A nice addition to the game was a display of outcomes of the previous 20 rolls of the dice on each player's console. The final change, and the one that I'm sure makes this game make sense for the house, is that the game is run by one dealer, not three dealers and a pit boss, the way a standard table would be normally set up. The number of employees needed to man a craps table is a significant expense and a limiting factor on the number of craps tables a casino can offer, as well as the price point they can offer them at. Having a, an electronic version that only needs one dealer is a big cost savings for the house. All of the electronic craps tables I saw had very low $10 or $15 minimums, compared to $25 or $50 minimums on traditional tables. When I saw how many of these tables had arrived on the Strip since my previous visit in the spring, I did some research on wizardofodds.com and confirmed that the odds and payouts on these tables 
were the same as the odds and payouts on a traditional craps table. With low table rim limits and rules I understood, I did what I had learned from uh, Gabriel's craps experiment. I evaluated the game by putting money on the line and testing it for myself to form a, a more full opinion. I spent part of a morning playing at an electronic craps table at the Flamingo. I found one thing I didn't like that has nothing to do with core concepts. At a standard craps table, most wagers are made by the dealer when you communicate what bet you want to make. Dealers will even take late bets that you announce after the shooter has the dice in hand. Dealers will wait until they are sure everyone has made all of their bets before passing the dice. Dealers will remind players if they miss a bet they normally make, a bet that the player normally makes. That last one may not be clear, so let me give you an example. When I'm shooting the dice on a come-out roll, I must make a pass-line wager that will pay me even money if I throw a 7 or 11. This wager is also lost if I throw a 2, 3, or 12. To offset this possibility of loss, along with the pass-line wager, I also make a small wager called a craps check bet. So at a $25 table, if I'm going to shoot the dice on... On a come out roll, I will make a $25 pass line bet and a $5 craps check bet. If I throw a 7 or an 11, I lose the craps check bet and get paid on the pass line bet and I make $20. If I throw a 2, 3, or 12, I get paid $35 on the craps check wager and lose the pass line bet, making $10. On any other number, the craps check bet is lost and a point is set. I'm still new to the craps thing, as you may know. Sometimes in the middle of shooting, I will roll the point, which means I get paid and I need to make another pass line bet. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, I forget to also make the craps check bet. And many dealers will hold the dice and ask if I want to make that bet, since they've seen me do it repeatedly. Other times, I'll forget that I should probably turn a bet on or turn a bet off, or perhaps increase my wager after winning multiple throws Dealers at a standard game will remind me of those things. They remind players of things the players might be missing. At an electronic craps table, the player is responsible for all of that without dealers to remind them of things that they normally do. A player must also manage all of their wagers on a countdown. Once the dealer records the results of a roll on a touchscreen near the dealing position, right in the center of the table, there's a big countdown from 5 to 1 at the point where it hits one, the bets are set, no more bets can be made, and the dice are passed. If you missed something on your personal screen or didn't get things set up quickly enough, that's on you as the player. As I said, this isn't a core concepts deal breaker. I can learn to play faster and pay more attention. I can pr improve in this area, but I'd need to do that before doing this kind of gambling very regularly. There were multiple wagers I made incorrectly Try to navigate the screen as a first-time player. Not an issue from a casino combat point of view. It isn't in conflict with any core concepts. It just makes playing this way more difficult for me. What is in conflict with the core concepts is the amount of tier credits rewarded by the automated system. I know from my spring visit to the Flamingo that gambling at a standard craps table for several hours at a $15 minimum will generate several hundred tier points, more points than the same amount of time at a $15 blackjack table. At an electronic craps table, a similar action, similar amount of action generated exactly four tier credits. So something that got me, I don't remember, three, four, five hundred at a $15 minimum in the spring got me four tier credits with the change in the way things are set up with this electronic craps table. And look, the house may be sorting out these new machines and adjusting things, and other properties may be awarding tier credits differently. But for me, if this remains consistent, the tier credit to risk ratio is just way, way off. Way too low compared to a standard crafts table with a team of four dealers. If I need to take an extra bit of risk, that I might make wagers incorrectly, if I take extra risk because of a countdown, I want more tier credits, not less. From a core concepts point of view, this is a deal breaker for me. I don't make meaningful sports wagers or play poker because there is not enough tier credit and free, tax-free, imaginary money involved to mitigate some of the risk. I'll play video poker even though the tier credits awarded are low because I'm playing a very low-risk skill game and the free cocktails mitigate some of the risk. 
higher risk wagers at a craps table with no meaningful tier credit mitigation isn't a useful tool for me. The second big change on the Las Vegas Strip was the proliferation of free bet blackjack tables. They were all over the place. This is something I used to see maybe in one or two casinos. They'd have one table. They were everywhere. Every casino had them. I see free bet blackjack from time to time on a regional basis. A table here, a table there. I've always considered it a novelty version of the game. I've played it once or twice over the years, but always for low stakes, mostly to see what it was about not as a serious part of what I was doing. Normally, I can find standard three to two blackjack tables at limits I'm comfortable with. As always, full disclosure. I'm comfortable up to a $100 unit size. I didn't do anything much above a $25 unit size up until about episode 63. I wanted to prove that at that level of play, the comps and gifts would be available to make the entire process work. Once I had shown you all three wagering systems, you knew everything that I do, I felt comfortable using TRG Wagering System 3, the Meta Martingale, as I would pre-podcast, but that is a situational higher limit table selection. If things are going well, if I'm getting an even back and forth balance, I want $15 or $25 tables. $15 if Mrs. TRG is with me. Mrs. TRG, when she's involved, her preferred unit size is $15, and if she can find a $10 table, she'll move down. She's not as inclined to move up. So, wandering Las Vegas and often going through two and three casinos, finding no tables at a limited I wanted to play in that moment, and doing that in casinos where I have played for years was a bit frustrating. I made it work, I got in plenty of steps, but it wasn't ideal. One day, I realized that maybe I should consider free bet blackjack as an option because I was seeing so many of those tables at reasonable limits with empty chairs. So, I took a pause found a bar, ordered a water, pulled up wizardofodds.com to educate myself on the odds of the game and to see if a basic strategy for the game had been developed. Let me pause for a minute. If you're not familiar with the rules variations that Free Bet Blackjack introduces, one of them is that players can split any two matching cards except for tens. And the house puts out a golden disc to indicate the split is made and the golden disc represents the same amount of wager as your original bet. You as the gambler don't have to supply funds in the form of chips to make the next wager, to develop the second hand. The second hand is a free bet. The other variation, the same thing applies to doubles. Any two cards totaling 9, 10, or 11 can be doubled, and the house puts out a golden disc to indicate that the wager has been made. Splits with resplets, with doubles, in blackjack, can involve forming up to four doubled hands. That means eight times the original wager at risk in normal blackjack, which as I've discussed many times can be a real bankroll buster unless you have been properly funded and prepared. Free bet blackjack takes away all of that risk. The house allows you to make those plays for free. That's a real risk reducer. That's a real bankroll protector. From the player's point of view, that's a nice feature. The offset is another rules variation, which is if the dealer draws to exactly 22, the hand is a push. Any players still in the game do not get paid. Wizard of Odds calculates the house advantage on a six deck, three to two, player hits soft seven, or dealer hits, sorry, dealer hits soft 17, free bet blackjack as 1.04% advantage for the house, which means if all players play correct basic strategy, the house should hold $1.04 of every $100 wagered. Standard blackjack, the same website calculates as between 30 and 40 cents per hundred wagered, depending on the exact rules of the table. So, an increased expected loss for the players of roughly 70 cents per hundred over standard blackjack. That said, free bet blackjack has roughly the same house advantage as the banker bet in Baccarat with most of the splits and or double risk of financial loss removed. So as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, okay, I can accept that. That's not unbeatable risk. Is there a basic strategy chart? And of course there is because it's wizardofoz.com. And it's a strategy chart that's actually easier than the strategy chart for standard blackjack. 
the correct play on all nines, tens, or eleven, if that's the hand you get, nine, ten, or eleven, the correct play is to double every time. The correct play on any pair of any pair of cards, the correct play is to split. There were a couple of minor variations from standard blackjack involving hard totals of twelve or thirteen against dealers twos and dealers threes. Nothing too difficult to remember. And as extra insurance, I took a, a minute to screenshot the charts, and I made a note that if I that I needed to add a laminated version of those charts to the chart pocket in my vest. Bottom line, confronted with a different and a bit frustrating change to the Las Vegas Strip, I remembered a couple of casino wisdoms. First, number six, there was a problem. I stayed calm, and I looked for a casino solution. I also realized... As Keeper of Wisdom taught us, in Wisdom number 82, I couldn't wish myself out of the situation. The strip had changed. I couldn't change that. I just trusted my training to get me through things. My training says, find wagers with a small house advantage and learn how to make that wager correctly. Having done the research on free bet blackjack, I had a casino solution provided by my training. Gambling with the major brands on the strip in Las Vegas at wagers my bankroll was set up to handle was possible. And I had a lot more options of table selection for the remainder of my trip. This exercise, examining Las Vegas changes, illustrates, at least to me, the value in understanding and being able to apply what we talk about in our podcast. I used the core concepts and some casino wisdoms to continue to apply how I wanted to play the game of casino gambling on the Las Vegas Strip. So, we did travel. We had a moment of casino wisdom. We applied the core concepts to a couple of changes on the Las Vegas Strip. That leaves us with some time in the virtual VIP lounge to examine and reflect on the results of the month of October 2021. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, the best virtual VIP lounge anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. Well, at least until Zuckerberg gets the metaverse up and running. But if we're still around when that happens, then we can have a truly virtual VIP lounge for us all to hang out in with the very best virtual everything. The best sodas and pops, the best sparkling and still waters, the best virtual beer, wine, and spirits. If you are driving, working out, anything that requires hands and sobriety... Help yourself to a virtual pour of whatever you would like. Stories with drinks is one of the best things in a casino VIP lounge. Personally, I am not doing anything that requires either hands or sobriety. So, I poured myself, once again, uh, uh, a nice pour of Crown Royal Peach to enjoy while doing this segment. As I said when we started, we are going to use the virtual VIP lounge today to review the results for myself and the lovely Mrs. TRG for the month of October 2021. If this is your first monthly recap, I am not bragging, I am not boasting, I am following Casino Wisdom number 7 and being accountable to all of you. I firmly believe that you would be foolish to listen to what I teach if you don't know what outcomes I get. I also find that I benefit tremendously by doing the analysis that goes into doing this segment. I understand my results for the month so much better by stopping, taking a little bit of time, and analyzing the things in the spreadsheet to pull out these numbers and results. Something I really think all of you should do as well. Before I start, just a quick note. Well, probably you know me, a couple quick notes. I didn't break out free bet blackjack and standard blackjack as two different things. Things... Described as winning or losing tables this month could be blackjack or free bet blackjack or baccarat. And that's as a result of the conditions I found in Las Vegas. Once again this month, I have divided all my recorded results by my day's pay number to reduce everything to a standard of I get paid a dollar a day. Whatever your day's pay number is, you can multiply everything by that number. Everything I'm going to tell you, multiply it by that number to understand how these results would impact your life, what these would be to you, how you would see things. Here we go. Last month, we won cash money playing cards, a total of $2.11 in cash if I made only $1 a day. In total, we played 33 losing tables and 31 winning tables, so we kept our losses low and walked away with wins when we could. And that's how we achieved our win for the month. We lost money playing slots to the tune of 64 cents. We played 20 winning and just 12 losing slot machines. How do we not win money? 20 winning and just 12 losing slot machines? How do we not win money? Honestly, if you break it down further, I won money playing slots. A fair amount of it, actually. And Mrs. TRG was doing fine. 
until an 88 Fortunes didn't machine just didn't pay out on some bonus spins she got. Her loss on that machine was more than we could overcome this month. We won 36 cents on 40 cents of free slot play we, re we received. That's a nice ratio. Our expected win rate over time on free slot play using TRG slot strategy number one is 50% of what they give us. We won at a 90% rate. Not bad, not bad at all. Said another way, the various casinos gave us almost half a day's pay in free slot play, which other than playing slots has no value, and we turned it into almost half a day's pay in cash. I also played three winning and one losing video poker machines this month, and I mention that because it's like a 400% increase in video poker play for a month for me, and I made a very small cash profit playing video poker. We had $2.94 in expenses for the month. We had a profit after expenses of $0.35. Cents. Please keep in mind what that means. I bought plane tickets, paid a little for hotel rooms that were only partially comped to surprise my friend for his birthday. I took him and his wife to brunch. Despite all that, we won enough money to pay for all of that and still have a profit in cash. And that's despite getting beat up the last day in Las Vegas and again the last day of the month. Had Sandra D. decided to surprise the artiste in Atlanta or Cancun or anywhere else, I would have had a larger profit after expenses because those expenses wouldn't have been casino transactions. By the way, another number I'm starting to pay attention to. We did 308 financial transactions with casinos during the month. We finished the month 308 transactions related to casinos and a small cash profit. Not bad. Let's look at the rest of the numbers and see how much we won in total, not just in cash. We received $6.44 in comps, mostly rooms and meals. We received $0.12 cents in match bets, $0.48 cents in free bets. We received $0.47 cents in gifts. Not bad. Almost a half day's pay in free stuff. In total, cash, comps, money to gamble with, and gifts. We generated $7.28 cents in value into our lives from gambling in October 2021. Not a bad month. Most of the value was in comps and stuff, but to be fair, most of the expenses were birthday related. It feels good to put another winning month's results into the spreadsheet and to clear things out and to get ready to start the new month. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it.